Hey, my friend, welcome along to the Medicinal Chef's Nutrition Nuggets podcast, helping you get clarity on nutrition. I'm Dale Pinnock, the Medicinal Chef, best-selling author, nutritionist, and creator of Nutrition Coaching Monthly. Every week here in the podcast, I'm going to be answering your questions and discussing key topics around the field of nutrition to help give you clarity and to expand your knowledge. Hey folks, how are you? Hope you are well and feeling tickety-boo. It's good to be back here in the hot seat after a little uh, one-week hiatus. Had a little quick trip over to the USA, which was great fun. Uh, More about that on my social media. I'm not going to bore you to tears with it here. So this week, I want to talk about cholesterol. In particular, why your cholesterol number alone is absolutely useless as diagnostic criteria. It really doesn't tell you very much about what's actually going on with the state of health of your cardiovascular system or other metabolic functions at large, really. So many people um, come to me, especially when I, I used to be in clinical practice, I used to get people come through the door that would say, I've been told I've got high cholesterol. My cholesterol is like 6.5, it's 7, it's 7.5. And I was like, oh, okay. And what else? Like, what do you mean, what else? What else? So what else were you told about your cholesterol levels? Well, just that it's high. The number alone doesn't mean anything. We need more detail. So the first thing that we need to know more about is the ratio between LDL and HDL. Now, these, these are sometimes referred to as bad and good cholesterol. LDL, low-density lipoprotein, often being dubbed the bad one. HDL, high-density lipoprotein, often being dubbed the good one. But we need to backtrack a little bit and say that cholesterol is only one substance. There's not lots of different types of cholesterol. Cholesterol is cholesterol. It's one single thing. The LDL and the HDL, these refer to the carriers, the type of carriers that the cholesterol is bound to. They're transport proteins. I kind of like to use the analogy of two different bus routes, okay? You've got one bus route that comes from the town centre out to the surrounding villages, and then you've got another bus route that comes from the surrounding villages and goes back into town. But in this case, the town being the liver, the surrounding villages being the peripheral tissues. LDL carries cholesterol from the liver out into the peripheries. It takes it out via the circulation, makes it widespread in the body. HDL, on the other hand, gathers it up and brings it back to the liver for recycle and breakdown. The theory always used to go... And, you know, this does kind of stand true still. The theory was that if your HDL was higher than your LDL, then you're going to be clearing any excess cholesterol. Because, you know, cholesterol is a vital substance in the body. All of your steroidal hormones like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, all those kind of things, are made from cholesterol. It's vital for the health and the maintenance of cell membranes as well. So you don't want to wipe it out completely. But the theory was, providing there's not an excess in circulation and your HDL is higher and any excess is being sent back to the liver for recycle, then you're going to be in a better state of health and at lowered risk of cardiovascular disease. To a point, there's some truth in that, but we need to take it a step further. Okay, so the first thing that you need to do is get an idea of what's going on in relation to LDL and HDL. That can give you a lot of detail about many aspects of metabolic health, and also it can start to you know, point you in the right direction as to as to how healthy your cardiovascular system is. But until you know the next thing, you can't really make any decision. And the next thing is understanding the particle size. Now, 
when I talk about particle size, I'm talking about the actual size of the LDL particle. Now, this can vary drastically. From one end of the spectrum, you've got the large, fluffy, buoyant particles. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got what's called small, dense particles. These have major differing levels of risk in terms of atherogenicity, the propensity to actually trigger, well, to actually develop into atheroma. So the large, fluffy LDL particle, this doesn't really cause much harm. This can just kind of drift through the cardiovascular system, like through the circulation as like just a globule. It's like a cloud that just drifts through to its final destination. It doesn't really cause any particular damage to the endothelium. Remember, it's damage to the endothelium that triggers the whole set of events that give rise to atheroma. I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in a second. But then the other end of the spectrum is the very, very small, dense particle size. These are tiny, tiny, tiny little pellets of very, very concentrated LDL. These particular particles, these are the ones that have the ability to actually penetrate the endothelium. The endothelium is the skin that lines the inside of our blood vessels. If it, if it gets the chance to penetrate the endothelium, then that's when the whole sequence of events take place that give rise to atheroma. So depending on what's going on with your particle size, your risk for developing atheroma varies drastically. The food that we eat and our lifestyle will influence this. We know for a certainty that a diet that is built around too much in the way of refined processed carbohydrates, the kind of carbohydrates that raise your blood sugar very, very quickly and saturate it, are associated, is associated with the production and the expression of the very, very dense, small particle size, the type that are highly atherogenic. Whereas low glycemic diets, on the other hand, one, they tend to be, they tend to improve LDL to HDL ratios in the first place, but also the LDL that's present tends to be the large particle size. And it's just going out around the body, doing its thing, getting to all the places it's needed, maintaining cell membranes, providing the substrate for steroidal hormone production. It's not a big issue. So at this point, let's, let's just kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about Atheroma. What an atheroma actually is, sometimes called a, a plaque as well. It's basically the, the lesion that forms in the wall of our blood vessel. It arises from inflammatory damage to the endothelium. So the endothelium, that is that highly bioactive skin that lines the inside of our blood vessels. When we get inflammatory damage to that endothelium, and this, this inflammatory damage can arise from many, many different things. It could be environmental factors, physical trauma, localised metabolic events. There's lots of things that can actually trigger that. But when it's triggered, the body starts to re respond in several ways. Firstly, like any other injury in the body, those repair mechanisms will start to kick in. We'll start to lay down some of these proteins involved in repair, like fibrin, for example. And this protein lattice that forms over the lesion in order to heal it can actually cause part of the problem. Now, this this protein lattice, this it, what almost looks like a bit of a neck, can start to protrude out into the lumen. The lumen is the the inner, you know, the inner space of the vessel, so to speak. 
because it's protruding out into the lumen, cholesterol that's kind of minding its own business and going where it needs to, needs to go becomes trapped in it. And the sheer force of blood moving through the vessel will eventually cause it to burrow into the endothelium. And as soon as it gets into the endothelium, that's when all hell starts to break, break loose. The immune system gets involved. So key white blood cell lines actually start to migrate to the site of injury and to the area where the lipids have actually been able to penetrate the endothelium. When this happens, the white cells engulf these lipids and they turn into something called a foam cell. And the foam cells just start to accumulate under the surface of this initial lesion site. Then after a while, you get calcification, you get other smooth muscle cells placed over the top. And before you know it, you've got a plaque formed in the vessel. Now, I think all of us will have plaques to one degree or another. They don't necessarily have to be an issue. They can they can form and then they can be quite stable. You could have them for life and they don't cause an issue. But the real big thing that determines, one, your risk of these things happening in the first place, and two, how stable those plaques are, is, of course, control of inflammation. Now, if you listen back to the previous podcast, you will get the insight into that. And that's the final thing that you need to know in terms of where your cardiovascular health is at. You need to know your LDL to HDL ratios. You need to know your particle size and what's going on. And finally, you need to get an idea of your inflammatory load. You need to understand whether you've got a raised CRP, for example, C-reactive protein. Bringing this all together, there's a lot that you can do to improve your chances. So going back to the inflammation stuff that we spoke about in the last podcast, pulling your your omega-6 fatty acids down, so reducing those dodgy refined vegetable oils and increasing your intake of omega-3, be that from fish or algae, wherever you want to get it from. Bringing that inflammation down can really, really help to, one, keep any existing plaques more stable, two, reduce risk of further damage. Then secondly... Following a low glycemic diet, your carbohydrate choices need to be the slow-burning multigrain types, non-starchy vegetables, all of that good stuff, good quality protein with every meal. That basically creates a diet that releases its energy very, very slowly. It doesn't cause blood sugar peaks and troughs. It's those blood sugar peaks and troughs that can actually make us express more small, dense LDL particles, which are much more atherogenic. And also, then there's a few simple things like increasing dietary fiber. And also to mention that increase of omega-3 is associated with improved LDL to HDL ratios. So next time you have any routine blood work done and you just get told, oh, your cholesterol is high, ask for more details. Ask for more information. You need to be better informed so you can make the right decisions. Until next time, my friends. See you later.